was really looking at my beliefs mainly around money because how could a financial advisor and a CPA be broke? Well, it's, it's the, the, the beliefs that I inherited from my parents around money, which were disempowering, which was rich people are crooks and, you know, money, you either have it or you don't, like you don't have a choice. I mean, we just had generations of poverty broke belief systems that get handed down from generation to generation. So what I did, Sean, is I literally pulled beliefs out, held them under the light, so to speak, and said, is this serving me? It's not serving me. Okay. What's more empowering? Welcome to a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast. You got Sean Dill here with you, just as we are missing Lacey. Um, she is uh, just sitting this episode out. She's got to rest her vocal cords. She's got tons of demands placed on her, and we got to keep her fresh. Um, and so we put her back on the bench. And so I'm um, in the cockpit solo today, and we've got a phenomenal, phenomenal guest that you're all going to really, really benefit from um, because this guest is going to help us all to get unstuck. And you know, when I was prepping for this, I was like, get stuck in what? Like in just like certain areas, like what are we talking about? And we're talking about getting stuck. You know, and we've all come through um, a lot of changes in the recent years. And so we've seen changes in the way we work. Well, now we're even beginning to see a lot of changes happening in the workforce itself. There's lots of layoffs. There's people that are trying to launch their own business. There's people doing all kinds of things. And a lot of these people find themselves being stuck. Well, if you are one of those people or you've ever been stuck at any time in your life, or if you think that maybe there's a chance you might get stuck later in your life, well, today's episode is for you. Let's bring in our amazing guest, Chris Felton. He is the author of a book that's coming out, it has a great title because a lot of people are going to be um, searching for other titles of similar names and find this and be like, this is the modern day version. The book is called Think and Grow You. I can't wait to hear all about it. Chris, welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. John, awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. We start every podcast off with the exact same question because when we get the opportunity to chat with someone like you, um, and then later on, we'll talk about how people find you and we start to see, you know, you're on a lot of different podcasts and you're doing great things. Oftentimes it's easy, and I think this super fits this subject for today, but it's super easy for people to think, well, that's because Chris had it made. Like Chris probably, it's easy for people to, you know, if you already know 6 million people, of course it's easy to get on podcasts. Of course it's easy to have a book when you have all of the conditions that are just set up perfectly for you. And What Lacey and I have found out doing this podcast is that even the most successful people, that has actually honestly never been the case. So the question is, how do we end up here talking to you? How do you end up in this position? Tell us a little bit about your trajectory, the trials and tribulations, the lessons learned, and the ups and downs. 
Well, we only have a few, a few minutes, right? That's uh, <laughs> that's actually why I wrote. That's actually why I wrote the book, Sean, because um, it, it, I, I basically lay out um, all the multitudes of ways I've been stuck over uh, you know the last twenty four years of being an entrepreneur. But uh, yeah, no, I I'm, uh, I'm in Colorado. I, I grew up in Loveland, Colorado. I uh, went to college, did the the traditional corporate route, and uh, about seven years into that, I looked to the guy that was 10 years ahead of me and I'm like, I don't want to be divorced for the third time. I don't want my kids to not like me. Um, and so I made the decision to get into, uh, to, to be an entrepreneur, financial services entrepreneur, and um, spent the first year talking people out of doing business with me and uh, was really bad at the business. Um, and then uh, went through a, a really a painful divorce. My kids were uh, one month old, three years old. They moved the other side of the country in Atlanta, Georgia, from me in Colorado. And then uh, I married my my second, my second and last wife, Marlo. We're still together. And uh, what she didn't know, Sean, is she she walked into um, a guy that's a CPA and a financial advisor, and somehow he had accumulated two hundred fifty thousand dollars of credit card debt. We're entering the Great Recession. Or financial services entrepreneurs, um, I'm having to pay my ex-wife $5,200 at the beginning of every month, and uh, we're out of money. I'm broke, and guess what I did? I went home because I had to pay my ex-wife the money the next day, and I was out of money. But my wife had money, so right. <laughs> super smart guy. I, I went home to ask my wife for the money to pay my ex-wife. Has that ever happened in the history of mankind? Um, I think it's only happened once. And, uh, and that didn't go over well. My wife's like five foot one. Everyone in my office is scared of her. Um, her, her Hurricane Marlo is not a pretty sight. Uh, she threw her purse at me. We call it the purse throwing incident. And, uh, and I said, well, wh why are we still married if I'm such a, you know what? And, uh, silence, she goes upstairs to figure out if she should stay or she should go. And there I was alone with my thoughts. And I realized that I created all the stinking messes in my life. And, uh, it was as clear as day, Sean, I was the common denominator to all my problems, all my issues. And my ex-wife never had a chance. My kids hadn't seen their dad. I'm drinking too much. Um, that's why I wrote the book, man. I was stuck. And the next day, gratefully, my wife decided to stay. And she said, we're not declaring, we're not, uh, declaring bankruptcy. We're not getting divorced. We're not getting jobs. We're going to figure it out. And uh, she got on planes, trains, and automobiles for the next two and a half years and interviewed wealthy entrepreneurs. And we wrote a book actually in 2011 called Couples Money. Um, and then she said, you know, she pointed her finger at me and she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to figure out how my mindset keeps creating broke. And uh, so the, the so, so to answer your question, kind of long winded here. Uh, no, it wasn't easy. Um, but but what happened was uh, I went to work on myself. I was willing to change. I was willing to do the work. And we had a uh, miraculous uh, financial transformation in all areas of our lives. And uh, it was, it was, it was a blessing, but uh, 
anyway, I, I cover all that in my book, all the all the ways I was stuck and how I got unstuck. Well, that's a that's a phenomenal, phenomenal answer to the question. I got to tell you, I don't know um, that I ever really had to directly ask Lacey <laughs> for money, but there was a time I totally understand. Um, I was reminded that we um, many, many months were paying my ex-wife more than we were paying ourselves. And, um, you know, you have a court ordered obligation to do that. And the court doesn't really take into consideration that you're making less than the alimony and child support, but that is how it is. And somebody that has been in that situation and gotten through it, absolutely incredible. So now that we have a much better idea of this, like idea of being stuck, um, you know, there seems that there is a gap in the story. So like you, you, um, have this conversation, the thirst, the purse throwing incident. She goes on the road. Two years later, we have a book. What, what's going on in these two years? How, how are we, how are we paying the, the ex, the money that we owe and living? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was my, my, my commitment to my wife was, uh, you know, in, in the theme of my book, I mean, the problem I solve is stuck. My theme, Sean, is you got to humble down. You got to be willing to change. You got to do the work and the work is going to be worth it. And so what I was doing is what most people do that are stuck is I was spending a lot of time manipulating the outside world. Right. While I fiercely insisted on remaining the same. And I call that rearranging the furniture on the deck of the, the Titanic, right? It's, it's not, it's not working. And so I just told my wife, I'm like, I'm all in on changing. So I just said, you know, I'm going to treat my personal development like an Olympic athlete would treat their sport. And I was, you know, up early and I was reading and journaling and visualizing and imaging. And, um, you know, I was trying, I was really looking at my beliefs mainly around money. Because how could a financial advisor and a CPA be broke? Well, it's, it's the, the, the beliefs that I inherited from my parents around money, which were disempowering, which was rich people are crooks and, you know, money, you either have it or you don't, like you don't have a choice. I mean, we just had generations of poverty, broke belief systems that get handed down from generation to generation. So what I did, Sean, is I literally pulled beliefs out, held them under the light, so to speak, and said, is this serving me? It's not serving me. Okay. What's more empowering. So, so what happened was, you know, a very intentional focus daily, I call it going to the morning gym or going to the mental gym, right? We, uh, we hopefully brush our teeth every day. We take a shower every day. Hopefully we work out a lot. Um, but I went to the mental gym every single day to start changing. And then I put that aside and my wife and I set a pretty empowering goal that was unifying to us, um, which was saving a hundred thousand dollars because we were broke and we got psycho obsessed, focused on, on making that happen. So it was a daily uh, discipline of winning the day in the morning, first thing, working on myself, setting that aside, having a game plan and executing that game plan, whether I felt like I was ready or not, and then having clarity of aim of a singular focus. And uh, it was kind of those things. And then, you know, compounded over time, it's phenomenal. Okay, so, we're, so we're definitely coming back to Money Mindset, one of Lacey and I's favorite 
topics and what that does to your capacity to earn um, and impact the world. Um, I also love just the concept of money itself. Um, you know, people just really don't understand money. People don't understand math. They don't understand how money works. And I think those are all things that super limit us. But before we do that, I want to talk about rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. Because now let's just forward ahead. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I think this will be super useful for people who are stuck and whatever they're stuck in. Um, there are things that with your experience now that you know people do, right? And you kind of alluded to this, you know, it's not me, it's all in the environment. And some of these things probably keep people in their stuck place. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you've seen that people try to do, because obviously part of the um, recipe here is I would understand that I'm stuck. Like I know I'm stuck and I'm trying to get unstuck, um, but I'm gonna do stuff that doesn't really get me ahead. What are some of the pitfalls that people do when they realize they're stuck, but don't have the tools that you teach? Um, I, I mean, I, I think they, I think they realize that they're stuck, but, but I think they spend an inordinate amount of time with, I shouldn't be here. Um, and I, I, the, the, the root of stuck is what I call, it's called, it's just called resistance. Right. And so for me, it was like, I had to take hundred percent responsibility. So what happens is when people are stuck, they're like, well, it's really the economy, it's COVID, it's, it's this, it's that. For me, it was my ex-wife, it was the Great Recession. It was, it, was, it was looking outside yourself and not really owning it. And so as much as I hated the purse throwing incident, it woke me up out of this kind of hypnotic rhythm, this hypnotic state that we're in. And, and Sean, I was living on, you know, I called in the book, Hopium, right? I'm like hoping things change while I wanna stay the same. And so the analogy I give is, you know, if you've ever had a flat tire, like what happens when we get a flat tire? Whose fault is it, <laughs> right? Like, why does this always happen to me? Like why? So we go through all these mental gymnastics to get to the place that what, what's really powerful is acceptance that I have a flat tire because flat tire doesn't care. So resisting means I shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be happening. Why does this always happen? So they, they try to do things, but they're running a marathon with a bowling ball tied around their ankle because they're just living in, in that. So for me, I was working 80, 90 hours a week, Sean. It's not like I wasn't I was sitting on my ass, right? I mean, I was busting my butt, but when I finally realized that I had to change, I took 100% responsibility for the disaster that was my life. And then when my wife and I got back together the next day and she laid out the bloody balance sheet and she laid out all the you know nasty things, dude, I quit beating myself up over it. I accepted it. And what that means is my coach said, you don't need to love it, but you got to stop hating it. And from a platform of acceptance, hopefully I'm making sense, right? From a platform yeah. of acceptance of going, I have a flat tire. Got it. What do I want? What's the next thing I need to do? Well, I want to be back on the road. Get the jack. Right. And so I, I looked at the bloody balance sheet and instead of going, well, this is my ex-wife's fault or it's the economy's fault or it's this fault or it's my fault. I just said, got it. And I just looked at her and I said, we will never be back here again. And felt it. 
and accepted it. And then, dude, we kept moving. Then we just we moved forward. So I don't know if that answered your question or not. But but that that getting to acceptance is the only place that you can create a, a new result is acceptance. Don't love it. Don't need to hate it. So you mentioned like the economy, the recession, COVID. And so these are things that we might blame. This might put somebody <clears throat> in a situation that they are not um, pleased with, that they feel stuck in. In your case, it seems like it seems like you kind of knew the tools, right? The direction. But let's say, you know, my relationship isn't where I want it to be. Then we're like, so I accept it. And then then what? Because the tools are numerous, right? And so sometimes you have people that are like, well, you should do counseling. And they're like, well, resistant to that. And maybe your case, you know, you are all you're financially literate, obviously. But someone's like, well, it's just your mindset. And there can be resistance to that. Like, what did that mean? You needed a psychiatrist to fix your money mindset. Give me the next step after acceptance. How do I begin to actually know what I'm going to enroll in as far as my um, my mental gym commitment? Well, I, I think the, the the first step, and and it's it's a topic that's beat up in personal development. Like, it's you got to know what you want. You got to know you got to know your why. You got to know. Like, I mean, you've probably heard that a million times, right, Sean? Like, you got to know what you want. Um, and I, I've been blessed with some of the most amazing mentoring on the planet. And I, I can't tell you how many seminars and talks I, I, I listened to where the high performers are like, you got to know what you want. You got to know what your why is. You got to do all that. And I would just take notes on, oh, I got to get clear on what I want. And yeah, 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 yeah. And then I, you know, put the notepad away and then, you know, squirrel, right. <laughs> I'd, I'd go chase the next thing. But to me, that's, that's the very first step. And what happened is my wife and I sat down and if you're single, you can do this with yourself. And we just said, what do you want? What do we want? Um, almost nobody can answer that question. And we got really clear on what we wanted. We, we defined what financial independence looked like. Um, but, but not the left brain, how of it, Sean, we talked about, why did it matter? And for, for me, she had financial stress. It was impacting her health. Um, I'm a financial advisor. I want to be a good example. I want to see my kids who lived on the other side of the country. Um, I hate financial stress. So Sean, we spent a lot of time doing the deep dive of like, why do we care? Almost nobody does that. And world-class thinkers know that goal setting is an emotional process. People that struggle and are stuck, they think goal setting is logical. And so if you don't have the compelling emotional reasons, it's like having a Ferrari in your garage, but you don't have gas for it. So we always do that. Why does it matter? Why does it, you know, I, mean, I did it with my book because it took me 14 months to write it. Well, I know how to write. But how did I even finish it? I was really clear on the freaking juice. And so when you're clear, the, the next steps will unfold. Um, and, and then the other key, and I have a lot of like how to goal setting things in there. But then what we were really good at, Sean, was taking the big goal, which seemed like Mount Everest, and then breaking it down and getting focused on where we needed to be at the end of the quarter. And then what were the strategies, tactics, and processes that we had to execute 
that week. And then we had a weekly check-in. Where are we? I call A to B, our GPS. We call our financial GPS system. Where's A, where's B? So for however long it took us to hit that goal, we always knew where we were and we did these small weekly course corrections that small weekly course corrections compounded over 52 weeks is powerful. And, you know, we're talking in February and everybody tried to make 30 changes at the beginning of January. And now, you know, they can't find their business plan or the gym they signed up for. Um, so anyway, I hit you with a lot of stuff there, but, but that's, that, that was the key for us. Clarity. Couple of things I want to key on. One, I love that concept of GPS in uh, Lacey and I's book, None of Your Business, by the same name as a podcast. We talk about this that you know, the GPS in a car will show you a map and show you exactly where you are, but it doesn't serve any real functionality until you enter a destination and as the address. And I think so many people are just like, you know where you are. You have $5,000 in your bank account. But I mean, and you know that, but you're not going anywhere in particular. That's why you don't end up anywhere particular. You just end up wherever you just end up because it's not intentional. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about when it came to the, setting those goals, I do agree that it is fundamentally important to kind of identify why it matters. And um, we likewise talk about this in our book as well. But one of the things that we talk about, I don't hear people talk very often about that we encourage people to do, and you may disagree, and that's the nature of the show, you're free to disagree is we also have people contemplate with a goal why they won't be able to do it. If we can anticipate ahead of time, like you were saying, like, well, I might not get there because I tend to get off track. Or I might not get there because maybe my wife might stop supporting me halfway through because we have precedent of this happen. We might not get there because I might run out of capital, like all of these things. But if I knew it ahead of time, at least when it shows up, I'm not caught by surprise. I'm like, well, I kind of knew this because I was able to think about, well, what if it did happen in a vacuum while it was not actually happening to me? I think all partnership dissolutions and divorces would be easier if they were done the day after you got married or signed the, the partnership documents because nobody's mad at each other. So the same way in, in, in setting goals, I'm not in the situation. I'm not out of money. But what would I do if I was? And then I can begin to contemplate and I can actually have a pre-plan for what I feel like are some likely pitfalls and obstacles that might come my way. Interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I love it because for, for me, it's, it's not about getting perfect, right? One of my, my quotes in the book is, you know, we're a miracle and a mess at the same time. And, and so, we have these self-sabotaging patterns and, you know, and that's, that's kind of what the book is about is I understood the patterns that created self-sabotage for me. And so what you're talking about, I love it because that's awareness, right? That's awareness. Like, okay, here's how I screw myself over. And this is the thinking that does that. And here's the stories I make up. And so, I, I mean, the, one of the biggest skills of being a world-class thinker is it's called metacognition and it's the capacity to think about what you think about. And so the people that struggle and are stuck, like they have, they, they don't understand, they have no relationship to what they're thinking about. It's just totally unconscious. So, so I love that, Sean, because, um, 
you know, the, the first the, the first 20 percent of my book is getting out of your own way. Well, part of that was just going, OK, I think this way around money. Um, you know, I have a chapter on deservingness. Well, that, I mean, that's one of the most ridiculous mind viruses ever created. And, you know, like trees don't have deserving problems. Grass deserves to grow. Right. They grow during recessions. Um, <laughs> And so when I started studying, I had deservingness issues. I mean, just using that as an example, right? Because, because that was what you're saying is here's a rabbit hole I go down that doesn't lead me to where I want to get to. I, I probably want to become aware of that. And so when it does pop up, especially if you're bumping up against a comfort zone and your ego gets in there and is like, Sean, you're no, Sean, this is where you are. Right. And you got, you got that chatter in your mind. Um, the next part of my book is shifting. So what do I do to shift when that pops up? So, so I love what you're talking about because that awareness is everything. And we all have those patterns, man. And we have to understand how we get in our own way. And then what are we going to do when that happens? Well, I'm going to close with the money mindset stuff. But before that, I always hate when you got to fast forward to the end of the podcast to get the information. We've been talking about this book, but let's give information about the book and let's tell everybody how they get in touch with you. If they're loving what they're hearing and they want to do more work with you or dive deeper, um, give everybody all the goods here. Yeah, it's uh, chrisfelton.me. That's that's the website. That's, uh, you know, my, my primary is uh, speaking, the book, and then and then workshops and and the book is written in such a way that if somebody wants a speaker they can literally grab it pull out four or five concepts and tell me what they want me to talk about the workshops can be custom tailored as well so yeah chrisfelton.me that's where you find me and the book is titled think and grow you and it will be available either shortly after or shortly before the release of this podcast is depending on timing um, it'll be available in all of the um, normal outlets yeah, it's uh, so, so there's there's pre-order right now. Uh, they get it from my website and uh, and then they uh, they can they can pre-order on Amazon and then come back with receipt. And then we got a bunch of incredible goodies uh, for them to uh, free gifts that they uh, they can they can get once they pre-order. Free gifts and goodies are always amazing. So make sure you jump on. Go on Amazon.com, uh, ChrisFelton.me and uh, make sure that you get locked in. Get your pre-ordered copy of the book. It sounds absolutely amazing. It sounds incredibly useful for so many people. I want to wrap up on the home stretch here, Chris, talking about that money mindset, one of my favorite topics. So I couldn't let you go since you dropped that on us. Um, tell me, you know, I, I think a lot of people can relate to um, this sort of mindset that got instilled in us by our parents, potentially, um, that the idea of money, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, people that have a lot of money, they, you know, they cheated their way to get there. And this kind of infiltrates into us um, and it causes us to live in a state of scarcity or lack. Um, Lacey loves to talk about that, that topic that, you know, scarcity defined as there's not, an, there's not much of the, there's not much inventory. So there's not enough money in the world, which that can't be because look what happened during COVID. They just made more money. Lack means that there's a lot of money out there, but I don't have my proportionate share. Sure, there are people that have money, but I lack it. Um, and we can get trapped in these mindsets. And it's literally just like a mental jail 
that we create for ourselves. And it sounds to me like you might have been there. You may relate to that. Talk to us about kind of what shifted, what's different for you. How do you look at money today? Yeah, I mean, I um, I, I, I heard, I mean, I didn't have any money. I, I, hired, I hired a coach who, uh, you know, for four and a half years, I had hundreds of coaches that wanted to work with me because I have a decent sized business. And I asked them, are, are you financially independent? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, I can't hire you. Um, and so I got connected to my coach. I worked with him for four and a half years. Um, and he'd been financially independent for decades. And the first thing he did is he had me get a journal. I still have, it's called my money journal. And he had me write the word money down at the top. And he had me write down everything I make up about that word, right? Because the word money is neutral. What we add to it is the result, right? Or one of my coaches said, hey, there's me plus my thought plus my result. So if you don't like the result, there's you and then there's your thinking. So if there's something in your life you don't like the result, you need to get to the thinking. And so I, I list in the book and you, you and I talked about it. I mean, there was 20 different limiting beliefs, money head trash, I called it. And, you know, I met the enemy and it was I. Um, and so what he had me do is he had me write a more empowering story, which is, you know, making and big money, making and saving big money is easy. Um, money is the scorecard of value that I bring to other people. Um, if I'm growing as a person, my money's growing. And so um, I attract success, abundance, and peace into my life because that is who I am. I got a great story about that affirmation coming true. And then what he, what he told me, Sean, this was just transformational, is he said, you don't have a money problem, you have a money project. Absolutely, Chang love it. That, ch that changed my life. He's like, because we see problems as, oh, woe is me, right? I can't, I can't change it. But projects, we bring enthusiasm to projects. We bring energy to projects. We see projects through to the end. Um, and that subtle shift, man, that, and that's a chapter, problem versus project. It, it changed my world. So he's like, just keep working on it every day, man. Work on your belief systems. Do these things. Do the exercises I share in the book. And Chris, it's a law. It will change. We know we don't know when, but it will shift. Stay on it. And he was totally, totally correct, as he always was. Absolutely love that. Well, I can't let you drop that you have a story about the affirmation without asking you to tell us the, the affirmation story. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was that was my favorite. You know, I track success, abundance and peace into my life because that is who I am. And, and once again, I, I think that the issue is when you're stuck. Like you say things for a while and then you don't see evidence out here. And then you, you just say, well, it doesn't work. And my coach said, you know, the, Chris, the, the, the price to be paid is not only hard work. It's the capacity to hold the image of what you want, regardless of what the outside world is telling you. But eventually it'll shift. The world will eventually bend to your intent. And I bought it. And so we kind of left lack behind scarcity. Um, and we got a condo in uh, a Keystone, Colorado in the mountains. And, you know, uh, Sean, I visualized and imaged hundreds of times, my kids spending some summer vacations with us sleeping in bunk beds. And of course we get the house and there's bunk beds in it. Um, but there's a, a snake river. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And I was running and I came back and I, I, 
I, I still see it. I was about ready to come back to the condo and it was, you're that you are success, abundance, and peace. And I'm like, Oh my God, it actually came true. It actually came true. I didn't need a firm anymore because I was that. And dude, I lost it. I kneeled down. I started crying. I mean, I just was grateful for my blessings. Um, it was, it was an unbelievable feeling and more affirmation that, you know, the work you do on yourself is, is always going to be worth it. A hundred percent. Wow. What a crazy inspirational story, man. You dropped tons of gold on us today. I know that we have a time constraint, so I want to um, wrap it up. I want to thank you though, for sharing from your heart. I mean, I think super inspirational to everybody watching or listening. And I hope that everybody will check out the book, Think and Grow You, um, a tremendous tool to help anybody who's stuck in any area of your life. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today on the None of Your Business podcast. John, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Well, this one is going to be ranking up there near the top, if not at the top historically for None of Your Business podcast and content alone. Man, you have so many tools that you can go out and listen, just like we always say, money is a tool. So you could put that tool in a savings account and then build absolutely nothing. But I'll tell you this, so is information. So when Chris came onto this podcast and he drops all of this great information, you can say, wow, that's great, but that's a tool. You've got to take that information and do something with it. Because if you don't, then this was just a wasted 30 minutes of your life. Don't let it be that. Let's get those tools and put them to work. Hey, guys, I don't know how we top this one, but we're going to definitely try again next week. Join us again next week on a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast.